Yeah, you're listening to Solid Sound. And joining me online is... Eugene McCauley. How you doing, man? Yeah, not so bad. How are you, man? Oh, fantastic, fantastic. All we need now is like a hook line. You know what? I've got actually the perfect one. Bass line. Oh, wicked. Now put a donk on it. Electro. Put a donk on it. So, Eugene. Yes. Ross Common's number one donk DJ, is that right? Supposedly so. So the shams have said. <laughs> Tell me a bit about yourself. How did you get into donk? Um, I think mainly stemming from, you know, hearing the track, the one we're listening to right now, the Blackout Crew, of course. Yeah. Um, you know, that's obviously the first donk that anyone kind of listens to. Um, and then you kind of get into the more, um, you know, the SoundCloud kind of rips of donks. So you have the really off-key donks that you hear on SoundCloud. So I think that was kind of the main sort of focus around how I got into donk, so to say. In my mind, there's two types of donk. There's bounce or the scouse house type stuff, which, you know, yeah. certain type of people will listen to that, you know, um, whereas donk, as you know itself, is, is, the, is the piss take. Uh, of any mainstream music or anything, you know, take anything, and as the Blackout Crew said themselves, you know, get it and uh, put a donk on it. Put a donk on it. Put a donk on it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Put a donk on it. Techno. Oh, that is good. Put a donk on it. Hey, that's good. That's on it. Put a donk on it. Electro. Put a donk on it. So, when did you first hear this tune? Um. Oh God! <laughs> I would have been uh, would have been way younger than what I am now. Of course, maybe 14, 15, growing up listening to music. I would have started off with a bit of you know the usual Tiesto back in the day. Um, you know, obviously getting that early introduction to electronic dance music, so to say. But yeah, you know, just browsing through YouTube and you know, you find all these different tracks recommended to you. Obviously, this one came up and you know. It's it's something that introduced me into Donk, and then I was able to go back on us, you know, later on through the years and see, well, maybe you can do something with this and make it work. It seems simple enough to do, so I'll, I'll give it a go. Excellent. And this is when your music career really took off for Eugene McCauley, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Why are you doing going to cause about my bit? I love this track. I mean, it just never gets old, does it? Well, I mean, you know, it's not something that I that I love to listen to because of my previous beef with the Blackout crew. Uh, this happened over the lockdown period, approximately around May, June time of last year. That would have been 2020. I had sent one of the guys from the Blackout crew one of my tracks, and he basically said to me, it's shite, go back to the drawing board, it's awful. <laughs> so, you know, Beef ever since and never forgive them for it. Oh man, they didn't recognize your talent, Mike, you know? No, definitely not, definitely not. No, no, no. So now we're going into another tune now. This is Alex K. Alex K. Yeah. Indeed, indeed, yeah. This is a track that I love playing for gigs. Um, it's always kind of worked in my sets. Um, Alex K was kind of the first kind of international artist, so to say. Obviously, he's from Australia, I think. Um, 
So yeah, you know, listening to Alex K and all of his remixes, can you give me an idea for the, the project, so to say, the, the Eugene project, so to say. Um, so yeah, you could say he's a big inspiration in Eugene's and myself's music. The Eugene Projects? I didn't realise that Eugene was a project. The Eugene Project, yeah. I thought you were a real person, Eugene. <laughs> well, rumours have us, rumours have us. Does that explain why we're having to disguise your voice and you're wearing a balaclava? Pretty much, yeah, pretty much. I thought it was for the other reasons why, you know, you see Irish people wearing a balaclava and getting their voice disguised. <laughs> definitely not, definitely not, no. Definitely not, no. I think it's, it's obviously it's a it's a bit of a take on that, uh, getting a bit of the you know the Irishness into it, of course. Um, but yeah, it, like you know the, the balaclava is just a whole identity thing. You know, obviously not wanting to be identified uh, as a certain person. Um, obviously, rumours were flying around for for months about who Eugene was, who, who Eugene really is. Uh, you know, there were shouts that it's Ejeka because he, you know, he reposted Coronation Street Donk Party, which I'm sure we'll talk about later in the show. And, uh, you know, and uh, Mark Blair as well, for example, uh, because he's from Belfast. Um, and he likes to play the, the odd donk as well during the set. So there was, there was a lot of people speculated who Eugene could possibly be. And, uh, yeah, I can confirm none of them are true. All right, so it was just a question of whittling it down and trying to figure it out that way, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. I think that's what people are trying trying to figure out who it is. And I think once the balaclava does come off, the kind of the mystery and the kind of fun to the whole character is, is kind of gone, you know? Absolutely. Well, why would anybody be, you know, wanting to set the balaclava off? I mean, you have to enjoy Eugene for who he is and what he's doing, right? Exactly, yeah. Exactly, yeah. And you're missing the whole point if you... You know, it's like The Wizard of Oz. If you look behind the curtain, oh... Well, that's the Wizard of Oz explained, okay? What's next, you know? Exactly, yeah. So what's up the area? Where'd you think, where's that come from? I'm not really sure where it came from. I think it was just a, a more figure of speech, really. Obviously, I'm from Roscommon. Thought you know up the area sounded about right, and it, it had a nice re ring to it. And you know, all of a sudden, you know, hundreds of people are using up the area in you know Instagram posts and Facebook posts and Twitter posts and TikTok posts. Like you name it, it was on every social media, and uh, yeah, it was it was great for a time being. On Spotify as well. How did you get verified on Spotify? Oh, it was an easy enough process. You know, just fill out an application form, and that, that's that's you done, really. Oh, that's it. That's well, it. Yeah. You don't have to get your passport out or anything like that, no. Nothing like that, no. They, sh- they should introduce some checks like that, though. They should definitely. Oh, handy. It's it's it's, it's easy to, to pass that sort of thing. Same same thing goes with uh, SoundCloud as well. Obviously, there's no like real checks behind. SoundCloud for payouts and royalties and whatnot, you know, it's all just, yeah, we'll take your word first. You're not verified on SoundCloud, are you? Uh, not yet, no. I can put in the application this week, so maybe next week we'll have we'll have some sort of word on it. Yeah, I did it the same myself. I put in a verification process. It's like, <laughs> what are you verified? Like, you know, yes, I really am who I am on SoundCloud. Like, 
what does that prove? It proves nothing. You know? I think it's more, you know, to stop the kind of copycat, so to say, and yeah. all the different, you know, fans coming in, obviously, you know, making fan profiles or whatever. Um, but yeah, you could say, you know, Eugene was kind of, or kind of is something like that, where you have the original idea for Eugene was to take other people's tracks, speed them up and upload them and see how quickly I could get to a million plays without getting any copyright strikes, without any problems but just having a good time at the same time and interacting with people, of course. Yeah, that's kind of where I was coming from as well with the Verified on Spotify with the material which maybe somewhat plagiarizes certain things, certainly the Coronation tune, it's like, you know, yeah, I'm surprised I didn't get flagged and as you say, you know, <laughs> getting flagged on SoundCloud can be a bit of a death knell for some accounts because it's three strikes and you're out, you know? So yeah, fair play to you, man. And you got a million listens on SoundCloud. Yeah, I think I've closed now about two million streams on SoundCloud and uh, I think it's about a quarter of a million on uh, Spotify and, you know, other websites as well. Even an out to about half a million across, you know, two different platforms. So that was Alex K, and now we're into a bit of Lobster B. Absolute Don. Lobster B, what a king. Yeah, I love this man. Um, he introduced me to the whole, the whole English donk scene, so to say. You know, he introduced me to the donk line, introduced me to some heavyweights in the donk scene. And obviously that's helped me really, really push my music forward into, you know, not just Ireland, but also the UK as well. So, um, yeah, he's been an absolute legend. Yeah, I think beyond the UK and Ireland, it's not a huge geographical representation in other countries. I know like the UK and America, there's some people, uh, probably a few other places, probably Japan, I don't know. But uh, I think, may, yeah, mainly it's UK and Ireland sound, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. I'd say it's more originated kind of from Wigan, you know, for Wigan Pier. Um, but yeah, Lobster has been a huge inspiration for me. And, um, you know, this this is a track I always play on my gigs. It, it, it always, always goes down super, super well. So yeah, big shout out to Lobster B. Absolutely. So what is it about this track you think that really gets people going? Um, I think it's more the Dizzy Rascal sort of vocal, that's honest. He sent me this new version this week. Um, I would have played an older version of this, but I thought this, you know, it slapped way, way harder. The vocal on it is sick and uh, it, it works really, really well. But it's definitely this part here in the track that, you know, really gets me. Big drops. That's not me! Yeah, definitely. Love love that drop on the track. It's so, so good. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, there's a real energy with Donk as well, isn't there? Exactly, yeah. Like, that's the thing. Like, no one really understood Donk as one. Like, people were so focused on um, techno house and house and disco and, you know, trance. Like, that. that's all Ireland was until 
I came into the scene and blew it open. You know, like, it, it, it's just, it's mind-blowing to think that, you know, like, the younger generation, obviously, house, techno, tech house, um, techno house, you name it, that was, that, that was it, really. You know, obviously, people listen to drum and bass and other genres, but Dunk wasn't really in the spotlight until Eugene kind of blew open the scene and uh, it really erupted for me. Yeah, I've been listening to Dunk for a good few years. I think I could count on the fingers of one hand how many people I know who make Dunk in Ireland. There's you, there's Shere Khan, and other than that, I yeah. probably can't think of anyone else. Yeah, there's, there's, there's not many that do it, and I think that's kind of why I had a, a sort of a niche market for it, so to say. See, what I love about the Eugene thing is that, you know, you're out there in Roscommon or out there in the sticks, as we like to say up in Dublin. Yeah. And you just, there's no fan base for this sort of music, I would have thought. And then you just suddenly like, okay, I'm going to do my thing. And you've done it really, really well. And I always like the idea of, it's not what you play, it's when you play. You know that in a DJ set? Yeah. You know, I've seen videos on your Facebook where famous DJs have played one of your tracks and it's like the last track of the night. And they've been listening to whatever during the night let's say mainstream rave music um, and then they put someone on this on they're like oh yeah and they've all gone mad for it and it's like well if you put that on earlier on the night they'd be like oh what's this shit I'm not listening to it it's about what you play and when you play and how you present the music that you're making at a certain time in a certain way like I think I've covered a lot there in one, in one spiel yeah pretty much yeah I'd say you know like as people obviously you know they go out and they have a few beers and you know a few bottles of book fast whatever um, you know, I think once they get to that point, I think obviously they're keen to listen to everything really. And I think that's obviously where Don can come in and take his place, and especially my own tracks. I'm trying to relate to the Irish crowd as much as possible with with my remixes or my donks. I try and relate to the crowd and obviously that's the most important thing is, is crowd engagement of course. So, you know, I'd expect the crowd to, to you know, go wild towards the end of the night on the uh, on donk so to say thank you to the hotel martinet in brooklyn where bobby millet and the orchestra i mean what i think is an interesting barometer is the fact that you got that booking for life festival yeah to play donk yeah it's like what the hell is going on next i know you know life festival they're probably quite picky and i'm picking choosing my words carefully to be respectful like but you know they're, they're gonna pick a certain type of dj to play a certain type of set at a certain type of time for a certain type of crowd yeah exactly exactly yeah so for them to book someone to play Donk is like, wow, that's a huge achievement. Yeah, it was It was looking to be a really big gig for me. Um, definitely a huge milestone for me, of course. I had so many other gigs planned for 2020, you know, didn't go through with the whole Rona sort of thing. And, um, yeah, I was absolutely gutted when Life Festival was cancelled because, you know, it was, it was a major milestone for me. As the first Donk artist to play at an Irish festival, and like a festival so big, as life is, you know, it's, it's recognisable in Ireland. Obviously it was my first festival I played with the guys um, at Fuenov. That was my first ever gig under Eugene. And uh, yeah, that gig was insane. Incredible. 
Like, I've played Life Festival before, uh, many years ago, but I literally played, like, the 12 o'clock opening set yeah. to an empty field. You know what I mean? And it's like, nobody knew, nobody cared. It was an empty field. Yeah. Um, and I could have played Donk then, and no one would have even given a shit, like, you know? But I would have thought that they would have put you somewhere where you would have drawn a big crowd and everyone would have been, oh, man, it's my man Eugene. Let's go and check him out. And yeah. there would have been a huge... So it's like, what are you doing right that I'm doing wrong? I guess that's kind of the question that I'm thinking to myself. <laughs> I think... I, I don't know. I think it's more engaging with the, the kind of... the people my age, the, the youth, so to say. So, you know, kind of responding to them on Facebook or responding to them on Instagram or, you know... Uh, giving them kind of what they want, but not exactly what they want, if, if you get me. Yeah. You saying I'm old? <laughs> not exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's the whole manner that I present myself in, I think. Yeah. Really captivates people. Obviously, from the start, I got a lot of uh, a lot of hate, a lot of down talk. A lot of people didn't think that it would happen, you know, that Eugene would blow up so, so majorly, basically. And... I think one guy said on Twitter, you know, uh, mark my words, usually by this time next year, usually will be playing in all the clubs across the country. And, you know, I think it was like four or five months later, I was playing basically every single student night in the, in the country, which was amazing because I was, you know, uh, an amazing manager for us. And, um, you know, the manager basically done, got me my gigs in student nights and, yeah. Um, yeah, I had a lot of fun doing those gigs, obviously. Excellent. Excellent. So, we skipped a tune. Uh, we just listened to Wigan Pier Ozone. I think we're still on those one, Burns. Are we? Hang on, let me have a look at the timing. Oh yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. Yeah, it's still a Wigan Pear tune, yeah. I believe so. Why'd you pick this one? This is one that I've always kind of played in my sets as well, uh, along with Royal Flush and uh, Lobster B. Obviously Wigan Pear takes some good kind of inspiration from Wigan Pear as well on making dunk tracks. Obviously trying to get a wee bit more creative with my, with my music and um, yeah, you know, it's it's a classic really. We take you to the Hotel Martinette in Brooklyn, where Bobby Millen and the Orchestra And for anyone that doesn't know, obviously Wigan Pier is synonymous with Donk and the birthplace of Donk, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. It's definitely a place I'd love to play in, but only, only time will tell, really. Oh, will that be, will that be the, the, the very pinnacle of your career? Would it be in uh, playing Wigan Pier? Yeah, it'd be it'd be amazing. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, what do you think would be a pinnacle? Uh, seriously, or do you not think about it? I don't know. I, I'd like to obviously play in the UK. You know, that is that, that'd be major for me to play in the UK, and obviously meet up with Lobster B and uh, Ben of Donk, and uh, you know all the other heavyweights in Donk, so to say, in uh, in England and obviously Ireland as well. Um, but definitely England more so. Um, because a lot of my support, a lot of my fan base is, you know, kind of half and half between Ireland and England. That'd be a show that I really wanted to do. It's definitely in the UK. But if it had to be one show, it would probably be, be Life Festival. Maybe this year. Nobody knows. Is life happening? Possibly. This year? 
Hard to say. I don't know. Can I say Electric Picnic might happen? Because that's in September, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's mid-August or so. Yeah. Life is normally earlier on in the year, isn't it? It's like... May. Mayish, yeah. May, yeah. It's not going to look likely, is it? Very unlikely with how the government are putting things at home. We take you to the Hotel Martinette in Brooklyn, where Bobby Millett and his orchestra are offering a program of dance music. Right, now we're on to another track, right? Yes, this is, a, this is a hard house track, sort of say. Yeah, a lot of similarity between hard house and donk as well. In the fact it's a standard 4-4. Four, four. Yeah, you know, 4-4 four, four beat here. And similar, similar BPMs as well. Driving around in your souped-up Ford Cortina. Has to be lowered and you have to have your twin cam on it. Even for the silage, it's a good one. Yeah, I don't know anything about... About farming. About farming or anything like that, no. Oh, I live in the city, like, you know. Like, if I go outside the M50, I need my wellies. Do you live on a farm or what, about what sort of place do you live in? Yeah, I do live on a farm, yeah, I live on a farm. Uh, obviously I have the silage to do, uh, the cattle to look after and you know the tractors to look after as well. I think I, I done a set for Donk Line and it was actually shot in a in a garage in one of my sheds and I had the cattle in the other side of the sheds so it was kind of kind of funky to have that uh, sort of setup going. I never really, I, thought, I didn't know if that was just part of the persona or if that was for real, so it is for real. Yeah, yeah. And what, are you farming cattle? It'd be dairy farming, yeah. Dairy farming? Wow. How many cows you got then? That's something I never thought I'd ask someone in an interview. <laughs> Upwards of about 100 or so, and, you know, a couple of acres as well. You know, we're, we're doing all right. Um, obviously, it's something that I don't really want to do in the future. I think music is something like I don't want to do. You know, given the experience I've had with Eugene, obviously, I kind of want to go a bit further with Eugene, but... Hmm. Um, you know, I don't really know uh, what way things are going to go with, you know, COVID and what have you, so it's just about getting back in the gigs, I guess, after COVID. It has to sort itself out. I, I would guess that, you know, certainly by the end of summer, things will hopefully be back to normal with everyone being vaccinated, gigs, all that stuff coming back. I'd hope so, yeah. Balter Festival is going to be on in the UK. I don't know if you're aware of Balter, but uh, that's going on in September. I wonder if they have any donk DJs playing yet. Oh yeah, yeah they'd have donk. I have to sign myself up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 
not just Don't that I listen to, it's kind of hard house as well, that I get a bit of inspiration from, you know, I, I like listening to it on the downtime as well, that I, I'm not, you know, producing or, or DJing or, it's, it's a nice genre to listen to, um, if you're doing a bit of work or a bit of housework or a bit of farming, um, it's, it's definitely a good track for that. Can't say I know a huge amount about hard house. Um, it's a good genre. It's a good genre, though. Um, I mean, as you know, myself, I love all sorts of different stuff. You know, I'm literally a finger in every toilet pie. Oh yeah, it's nice. So what's this tune? Uh, I, I believe it's still bumping hard. Um, but I'm trying to think what the original's called. I, I have heard this sample in so many hard house tracks. It's you know, it's it's uncanny at this stage, really. How many tracks you hear it in? Yeah, I don't know, I find with a lot of hard house it all sounds the same to me. Trance and that sort of stuff all sounds the same. Once you listen to like five, ten minutes, there's not a huge amount of originality in it. For my liking, for my liking. Yeah, no, I think I think it's more of those cheesy sort of leads and obviously the, the donk bass changes or the, the bass that the producer would use changes, but you know, it's it's the same structure basically for all tracks I think. Really long build up to a to a drop. I haven't got time to wait. I'll give me the drop now. Like give me a build up in three seconds and get me into it. Oh, we're still in the build up. Anyway. I said, come on, come on. I mean, what am I supposed to do? If I'm on the dance floor, this is what I think. If you're on the dance floor, what are you doing? Like, you're on your phone texting your friend. You know, there's no beat. I was I was feeling my sets when I'm playing. I mean, I, I mean, I'm nowhere near your level, right? You always need to have a beat. If there's ever not a beat, you, that's when people leave. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So I like to keep my sets kind of energetic and, you know, building up from the start to the to the very end, which is usually Carnation Street or, you know, one, one of my tunes of some sort. I remember when I actually played in Galway, it would have been uh, last February, just before lockdown for us. I think it closed on uh, Alex K, Fat Bass, and then there was shouts for one more tune, so I played Craggy Island for the third time that night. <laughs> <laughs> for the third time that night, so that was a really, really fun gig, and um, yeah, I was very surprised that um, I got booked for that Monroe's gig. Some of the tunes you're making as well, I mean, a lot of time must go into them. Like, for example, the Coronation Street tune, which you know, to some might look like it's just, you know, it's just the Coronation theme tune. The uh, guy who's doing the voiceover for the, you know, the introducing the TV show and a donk. It might seem quite simple to some people, but they probably don't see the depth that you put into it. Um, there's a lot of time that goes into making those type of tracks. I think it's more to do with the BPM of the track and obviously having to write a donk melody around a piece like that. It's difficult, but at the same time, you know, once you're once you've done a few of them, you kind of you kind of know how to do the rest of them. Was that would you say that's your biggest tune, or is Craig Island? I don't know what your stats are looking like. Uh, I'd say Carnation Street's the biggest one, yeah, definitely the biggest. I think it's sitting on uh, 320k wow. on SoundCloud and 
just under 60k on YouTube, just over 70k on Spotify, maybe more. I can probably check that for you. I was just looking at that myself a minute ago, actually. Yeah, that's why I said, you know, probably the top one. And you got some news coverage on it as well. There was uh, a few pieces I've seen as well where they've referenced that track. The Guardian. It's amazing, like Guardian, yeah. The Guardian, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was that was kind of a funny article. Um, you know, obviously they were they were trying to be serious about it, and the guy that actually commented on it was the executive producer of the show Carnation Street. So I thought that was that was crazy that you know a sham like that would say something so 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 stupid about such a, a modernized classic <laughs> that clearly appeals to so many people if it's you know sitting on you know almost half a million streams across every single platform yeah yeah, yeah. I, I, this is where and you tell me what you think about this but this is where i think the art of what you're doing comes into it. i don't know if what you consider what you're doing is art but i would say the art is taking something which might seem quite simple and quite basic but capturing people's imagination and emotions and attention in such a way that, it, as I say, you know, you generate that much interest that people are like, oh, wow, yeah, listen to this. People sharing it with friends and it just snowballs and builds a reputation on its own from what you've created. Like, I mean, you know, yeah, that's 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 the real art to me anyway. Exactly. Yeah. And I think the thing with Carnation Street as well, like it, it only got so popular because of TikTok. Well, TikTok blew that track up, like major time blew it up. Um, I think there's over two and a half thousand videos done on that track. Um, I think the top viewed video is on 1.1 million views, which is insane. Like you just you don't ex you don't expect something like that to to blow up so majorly, you know? Yeah, absolutely real. I've actually started getting into TikTok myself the last month or so, and it's just so addictive compared to Facebook or whatever. Yeah, you're watching video after video after video, and it's no good. Next, yeah. Next, yeah. Oh man, but yeah, it's like I was thinking, you know, could you? And obviously, you have done, but like starting thinking, like making stuff literally for TikTok, making 30-second audio for TikTok. Yeah. As again, as a as an art almost. Yeah, you know, it's something that crossed my mind over lockdown, and obviously, you know, it's something I do want to get into. Obviously, because so many people are sitting there houses doing nothing other than scrolling through TikTok and but yeah there is definitely some things in the works that I do want to get out as soon as possible. Eastenders possibly around too sort of for Carnation Street but yeah I, I can't wait to see what the future holds for TikTok and for artists obviously as well. So we just talked all the way through that tune. That was James Hype, Loving You, right? Ben Suff, Donk Remix. Yes, indeed. Ben Suff, what a legend. I'd, I'd rank him up there with Lobster, but obviously Lobster takes takes the stand for me. Definitely Ben Suff. And obviously this one now is playing is uh, DJ Fingerblast, another absolute legend in the in the Donk scene. Yeah, phenomenal artist. Like my father's gone to pass Seven years has gone so fast Wake me up when September ends Yeah, I mean, he does Planet Fun uh, over in London, so maybe one day you might get yourself over to London and play Planet Fun. That'd be awesome, I'm sure, playing alongside uh, a lot of his crew. Yeah, that's definitely something that I'm aiming for, if not this year, next year. 
you know, and it doesn't matter really. I just, you know, I want to play some sort of gig before the thing comes so close, really. So why did you pick this tune? Was it made it stand out for you? This drop right here, I think. Obviously I done a remix of this myself. I done Donk of it, so to say. And uh, yeah, I thought he executed this drop really, really well. Um, it's the it's the nice, it's like a tinny sort of Donk, but it sounds, it sounds so, so nice as well. Um, it's definitely something that I'll be playing in sets after um, COVID for sure. Nice vocal on it as well, I think. It's nice the way it goes from that real sharp synthy sound into the vocal. It's a nice change. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a very well produced track, of course. I'd say he's he's definitely uh, an artist in his own class. I I put him in the same sort of rank as Lobster, of course, but you know, there, there's no beating Lobster at the minute. He's he's producing some absolutely insane tracks and he's graced my ears with them over lockdown and yeah, it's it's phenomenal. Yeah. I wonder, sometimes I think to myself, I wonder who is the greatest donk producer out there. Someone should organise some sort of battle or something like that and, and have you guys go head to head and see who comes out as number one. What do you reckon? That sounds like a good idea, yeah? I think something like that's already been done. Do you think? I think so, yeah. I think it's, hmm, what's it called? It's organised by the donk line, I know that for sure. It's called Donk Wars and I was very... You know, done my own sort of thing um, with uh, Donny Soldier, an English MC, absolute pleasure to work with, and we do have another track coming out as well. Um, so yeah, Donny has been—he's been a saint to work with, and he makes everything so much easier to, to understand as well. So we've got coming up uh, after this tune, we've got your tune, Don Klein, with Donny Soldier. Yep, this is uh, our send for Donk Line for Donk Wars. Yes, yeah, it's, it's definitely one of the, my favorite tracks that we've worked on together. We are working on another one as well, like I said. Um, but yeah, he's, he's a top sham, excellent MC, and I love the lyrics on this track. It's brilliant tune, brilliant tune. Obviously, I was checked the Donk Wars group chat, and you know people were loving it, and you know that that just made me really happy because obviously you know Donny basically done a majority of the work with with the vocals anyway.
for me as well good while back that was a great mix man oh it been 10 months ago or so uh, time just flies doesn't it yeah it's mental yeah thanks for doing that go, man. yeah no worries anytime uh, there's a good few people out there as well doing radio shows you know mark stretch yeah i done a mix with him as well before i think i done one christmas weekend maybe the week before christmas with them guys and yeah it was i was able to play one of my tracks with donny on it and that was that have you done a set for Does It Bang? I haven't actually, no. Not yet, anyway. Oh, man. You sort that out. Yeah, no, that'd be insane. I know they follow me, anyway, so shout out to Does It Bang. Yeah, those guys have really come in again from left field. Uh, I mean, they're well-established now. Um, but, yeah, like the last couple of years or so, out in the States there in the Bay Area, totally doing the UK thing over there. I Just owning it, owning it. Hopefully, I'll have, like, some sort of festival where, you know, the whole gang can come together and, you know, we can all just drink bottles of Buckfast for the weekend and that would be that. Talk about farming or talk about dogs, you know, whatever you want to talk about. So where are we now? We're into 2753, turn me on. Yeah. This is a track, I think it's more a modernized kind of, wouldn't say it's a donk, but it is kind of a donk at the same time. I played this in one or two of my shows and it's going down really well because it obviously was in the charts for, for a while. Okay, I'm just sitting there going, come on, come on, where's the beat? Although I do like the synth, they've ripped. This is, my, this is my new year, been a little wee bit. Yeah, because some people said to me now when I'm putting these tracks together is, oh, well, normally when I'm playing it, I'm playing it at plus 10. I think this is about 136 BPM or so. I usually, you know, up it a wee bit to 155. I like to keep my sets all around, you know, the 150 mark, the 155 mark, even stretching into 170 sometimes. Uh, with some of the stuff that Royal Tweedy sends me. But yeah, you know, I've, I've loved playing this track in my sets. It goes down a storm 90% of the time. Yeah, I think definitely would agree with you on that one. 150, 160, definitely. 170. Take it all the way up to 200, man. You've got to finish out, finish the set out with 200, like, you know, some speed donk. Yeah, that's kind of what I've been working on more recently now, is kind of implementing 
hard style along with Donk and it's I mean I'll send you the track later but I mean you know it's it's definitely something that considering doing more from the future. There's a fine line between art and abomination. And I think that I think I think that line really exists in your head. <laughs> I always think of Van Gogh as a great example, you know. World famous painter, only ever sold one painting in his life and no one appreciated it until after he was dead, like, you know? Yeah. You just gotta to stick to doing what you're doing, regardless of what anybody else thinks, and your only value is what you value yourself like. Exactly, yeah. And I think that's the thing with young producers coming into the game now is everyone's trying to be like someone else. Well, for Eugene, it was like, you know, F the rest, I'm doing my own thing. <laughs> this is what's happening. Dunk revolution up the area. Simple as. <laughs> Shams out, techno out. Dunk in. I mean, I think hip hop encapsulated it best with, you know, the whole idea of keeping it real. Keeping it real, keeping it true to what you're doing and who you are like. And that, again, is what really comes through. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Because that's interesting that you were listening to Dunk when you were 14, because I didn't know if, you know, you were doing your nine to five DJ routine and like, ah, oh, do you know what? I fancy a complete change and I'll, I'll do something that's unusual from my usual DJing style, perhaps. And it was a bit of a joke to you, but actually that you were really genuine into Donk and you've just kept it hidden away. Uh, I wouldn't have said really, really genuine into Donk. I'd say, you know, I'd listen to it, you know, on the odd time. I wouldn't, you know, listen to it as 24 seven or, you know, it would have been a bit of the odd time. Obviously, I'm into the, uh, the the country music and you know the jive and. What I'm saying though is, you like donk music. It's not like you've gone, oh, I'll take the piss out of donk. Well, I, I think it was more to make a mockery out of the DJ scene in Ireland to show how easy it is to get booked for gigs if you're different. That's key to it. Is obviously if if you want to be noticed in the scene, you have to be different. And uh, I think Eugene is such a great example of you know. If you're different, this is what can happen. You can play you know, wherever you want, however you want. Yeah. So, I mean, you say you get a bit of hate here and there and what have you. How do you find, like, maybe people jealous going, oh, look at him, he's just come out of nowhere and he's suddenly got a million plays on SoundCloud with what may to some people seem like no effort at all or people going oh you know we don't like that shit music get it off man you, you would just stick to bread and butter music that we all like you know i'd say it's more the first point where people are kind of jealous how far you know kind of a i guess you could say a joke has gone you know it was never really meant to be what it is never never meant to be what it is but you know i, I wouldn't say it's lucky that it just got to this point i'd say you know it's just it's more, it was a bit of a chance, you know, I took a chance and it paid off quite well, so to say. Um, I think the first donk to really blow up for me was the Sunday game. That, that was huge for me. Even up to 32 counties, that was pretty big for me as well. But definitely, you know, once I'd done Craggy Island, that was it. You know, people were hooked. People, people were hooked, they couldn't get enough. Obviously, 
obviously it's the the vocal sample that they use uh, I am Chinese people just quote that anywhere and they know oh Craggy Island Eugene McCauley it's something you can't dream of you know it, it, it's pretty phenomenal to have something like that go viral basically I think it was well fitting for a track. Obviously, the lead for it is you know sampling the original track, making a one shot of the original track, and putting a dunk on it, and a vocal, and making a melody, and that's it. Keep going. Is that your favourite Father Ted episode? I would say so, yeah. That or the Milk Float one, I thought that was uh, brilliant. Ah, Speed 3, yeah. I like the entertaining of Father Stone, that one. Oh, it's Father Stone, and he's like, totally sucks all the joy out of the room, you know? A good few episodes. I've come back and watched them. <laughs> Speed 3, actually, yeah. When your man goes, is there anything for another mass? <laughs> Craggy Islands, it really blew up. Bingo Loco, it blew this track up for me basically. Uh, Dan Duffy at the Bingo Loco crew was you know, playing it out every single gig. Um, and Dan's been a legend for playing it every single gig. And obviously it's been played on the radio a couple of times. And you, know, you have different people talking about it. Um, but definitely, yeah, this is probably, probably one of my favorite tracks I've produced. Hands down, definitely one of my favorites. Have you got played on the radio, obviously apart from this FM station, uh, you've been played on the radio in other places in Ireland then? I am Chinese. Yeah, I've played on iRadio, possibly one of the biggest national radio stations that young people be listening to. Uh, Today FM mentioned it at the Sunday game. Uh, obviously they reached out to me on um, Instagram after and they were like, oh, are we okay to use this? And I was like, yeah, work away, work away, lads. But yeah, you know, it's it's amazing. And now on Dublin South FM, I mean, that's got to be the pinnacle, right? <laughs> Although obviously in Roscommon you can't get Dublin South FM, but uh, you know. Of course, of course, yeah. You probably get it on, the, on the, the long wave or the medium wave, one or the others. That's right. Or to say at the stage. What is it you like about Donk? What's the appeal to you? Like when you make something like this and you're listening to yourself, what is it that you go, oh yeah, I really like that? It's like imagining yourself in a club listening to it, you know, or at a festival. But yeah, I think that's kind of the main appeal or the Donk. There's, some, there's something so captivating about the Donk sound that kind of brings you into the whole thing. And uh, I think that's kind of the, the main thing with it, you know. Obviously, there's no real attraction. Like, I don't really know what my main attraction would it be. You just like it. You don't question it. Yeah. Just love it. Uh, don't question it. You know, I like it. I like it. Uh, the thing I would often say about this sort of music and lots of similar types of music is don't think about it in terms of 
what it is on paper as it was in black and white but how does it make you feel and how it makes you feel actually i really like it yeah i really like it well there you go then you don't need to question it you know yeah exactly and you know it dong always puts me in a good mood in a good mood no matter who i'm listening to you know loves to be sends me a track he says here have this it's a present for you and they go thanks sham you know thank you uh, and i listened to it obviously it's the third track in in the show tonight i was like you know, I prefer the original, and then after listening to it a few times, I'm like, ah, well, actually, you know, I'm kind of more keen on this version, to be fair. But I probably will still play the first version that he sent me um, in my sets. Maybe the second, I don't know yet. We'll, we'll see what, what happens. What's this now? Dancing Code Red? Yeah, this is uh, this is one off a, a different label. Um, it's a track I really like, and I think it ups, it slaps. You know, it's nice beat to it. I think I first noticed you in Facebook when some of my Irish friends were like. Who is this guy who keeps posting tunes into the Tune Drop group on Facebook? Tune Drop group, yeah. And he's just like, every day he's posting shit dog music in there. <laughs> and the people try keep trying to kick him out and he keeps posting it and he keeps posting it and he doesn't stop. And I'm like, I like that guy. Tune Drop made me who I am. And, you know, I cannot thank Anthony enough. He's the guy over Tune Drop. Uh, we spoke on the phone a few times and he, he said, you know, I was basically keeping Tune Drop alive at that stage in time and he really loved the engagement and he loved seeing you know a young artist being able to blow up so massively but giving back at the same time and you know not being ignorant to sort of where he came from so you know anthony was more than happy to have me in tune drop you know posting my shite dongs or whatever <laughs> um four four not so much i think it got removed after my third post in there so yeah those those shams weren't too happy about about the dong and again no disrespect to people who like different types of music you like different music Perfect, yeah no interest whatsoever to me exactly yeah um so yeah it's nice to see you coming in and literally invading their space with your music i thought it was brilliant yeah, exactly, and I think that's I think that's the thing, you know. You know, when when I invaded their kind of privacy, um, when I blew open their their group chat with with a bit of donk, uh, you know, they weren't having it. They weren't having it. You know, they're they're serious people in in four four, and you know, I understand they want to keep it to to house and techno. Um, I understand that completely. But yeah, you know, man's got to start somewhere, right? Man's got to start somewhere, exactly. So was that your first sort of step out into the wild with Eugene? Like, where did you start? Like, when did you go? When did you go into like the browser and type in Eugene McCauley? What was day one for you? How did you get off the sofa? Is what I'm saying. You know? How did I start, Eugene? This is. Yeah. I, uh, it was kind of a, a split decision. I think it was one night I was up. I don't know what I was doing, drinking probably. Um, <laughs> I was like, ah, do you want to be funny if I make a, a SoundCloud account and you know, see how quickly I can get to a million views and you know that that basically was history that was a starting point and then 
and I got sent it to some mates, and I was like, you know, what do you think about this idea? And they're like, uh, yeah, for us, sure, whatever. Um, made a Facebook and added everyone that came up and they recommended and started plaguing them with messages and posts and yeah, listen, everyone got their fair share of, you know, the sham and um, yeah, it was, you know, extremely fun. Excellent, excellent. If I see Eugene McCauley playing Life Festival 2020, I'm gonna fucking flip the lid, lad. What on earth is this now? I was listening to this earlier. What on earth is going on? Tell Eugene to take his dog, take his massy, and ride off into the fucking sunset because we're done with it, because we're done with it, because we're done with it. This was my introduction for Life Festival. Fellas, we're in a high vis. There's no room for Eugene. We want disco. We, 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 we want techno. We want house. All in the same set. This was supposed to be the track that made, you know, the year for me. Um, obviously it's unreleased, staying unreleased. The orchestra intro anyway. Um, but obviously the other one's released with uh, Dunkline. Uh, on the Green Giant DP. The DP. And the good artists on it. Um, but yeah, no, this was the this was supposed to be the life intro, and I was supposed to be walking out at this time when the you know the the strings come in. But yeah, I definitely definitely went huge on this track. You know, I think I spent nearly a week on this track producing it, uh, just making it perfect. And uh, yeah, it yeah it was looking to be a good gig, but obviously we know what happened. Do you have any shout outs you want to do as well? Listen, only shout-outs for, for Loves to Be, of course, you know. He was like, you know, don't don't make it all about me. <laughs> well, not exactly, but, you know. I, I said to him, this is what's happening, and he was like, oh, cool. Uh, I asked him for a bit of advice. Didn't want to plague you about messages, about uh, putting a track list together. So, yeah, I just messaged him and asked him, you know, a few things. And he was like, oh, you know, don't worry. Just listen to this, do this. Uh, uh, do whatever makes you feel happy. And I was like, all right, thanks for, thanks for the information. <laughs> I've got no plans with this. I just make it up to go along, like, you know? Yeah, that's pretty much what we're doing. I'm scrolling down, man. I'm scrolling down. Now, that is interesting. So I was talking about... Ketima the other day. I see you got a Ketima remix on there. Well, you remixed the Ketima too. Ketima doesn't like oh. what you were saying. Oh, Ketima does not like me. <laughs> Simply put, uh, I think it was the shipping of the Boston dunk that I done. Um, and I was like, you know, what vocal can I add to this that make it really big brain? I was like, raw cuts. There we go. That's it. Job done. And I, I tagged him, and he was like, you know, what is this shite? You know, what is this? I was like, uh, you know, I was just giving him a bit of, bit of scuff, a bit of grief, and, you know, Sham wasn't taking it, and <laughs> I, think I think it was blocked quite swiftly, actually. <laughs>
Fortune, uh, Lobos. X hurts sand for Dolphin Boy. Dolphin Boy is a serious producer. He makes a lot of good. I didn't realize he made so many different styles of music as well. Uh, this this is one of my favorite recent tracks. It's actually on Donk Wars. I, I already got the track yesterday when you were when you were messaging me about sending the, the, the tracks over there. Yeah, this is one of my favorite productions as of late. Obviously part of the Donk Wars whole thing. And uh, yeah, I love the track. Focus are great as well, of course. What do you reckon to Nightcore? Wouldn't listen to it normally. Uh, no? no? I would have thought you'd have loved it. No, no? Wouldn't, wouldn't listen to it. I, I stick to the Donk as of recent, of course. But yeah, I love the Donk scene. I think it's, you know, it definitely needs a bit of work in Ireland. But I think in the UK, they've really nailed it down. You know, obviously, there's a lot of different donk DJs, and you know, whether they're serious donks or not so serious donks. Um, but yeah, you know, listen, great crew in England for donk, and uh, yeah, definitely something I want to get into. UK donk scene. And you can just see this in the sweaty basement pumping out of a sound system, couldn't you? I can more see it for Bang Face Weekender, you know, we've got it that didn't go ahead this year or last year for, or it did go ahead last year, did you? Did, yeah, I remember being there, mate. Oh, I was, I was cutting close with lockdown, I think. It was, it was, it was indeed, yeah. That was what, day before lockdown? Two days before? In Ireland, they had lockdown in Ireland on the Friday and Bang Face had already started, but obviously that's UK and UK rules and the UK didn't lock down. Yeah, that did, the lockdown in the UK didn't come until after Bang Face. And a lot of people are saying because Cheltenham was on, the government wasn't about to lock down and say, no, sorry, Cheltenham, you have to cancel halfway through. So that's how Bank Place carried on going. And to be honest, I don't think I knew anybody that got coronavirus from it. Yeah. Given that it's obviously a perfect breeding ground for that sort of shit, you know? So maybe it's all right in the end. I don't know. I've been living like a monk for the last year anyway, so made up for it. Yeah, it's been more in the in the house rather than doing much. Obviously, doing a bit of farming as well on the side, but you know, like most of the time, it's you know sitting in the house doing nothing on the weekends rather than going out doing gigs, of course. Um, but yeah, you know, listen. Hopefully, things pick up after COVID and we can all get back into clubs ASAP. Absolutely. Hopefully, yeah. Big tune from you, man. Onto the, the tune of the moment, <laughs> so to say. Yeah. yeah, no, this this was one of the, the biggest tracks for me, definitely. I think, you know, when when people say the line that Julian Simmons says, people instantly recognize it as Renation Street Dunk Party. And I've seen a lady put up on Instagram giving out about she she <laughs> she asked Alexa to play Carnation Street Dunk or Carnation Street and <laughs> my version came up so <laughs> you know she she was graced 
with the Greenwich Street Dunk Party, and uh, to say the least, she she wasn't too happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't blame her. Um, but yeah, no, listen, uh, great track. But now in the UTV we've said it before and we'll say it again, when you play with fire you're going to get burned and although Kevin and Molly may not turn into fireballs of the night, the two of them are going to get well and truly singed after doing all in a swanky hotel while Sally's packing her frocks in Coronation Street. That guy as well presents a bit of a legend in his own right as well, isn't he? Julian, yeah, he is definitely with uh, UTV. Obviously UTV's not really existent anymore. Oh, that would have been five, six years ago when I closed down. Don't, don't really remember. Maybe, maybe longer. God knows at this stage. No, a couple of years. Because Virgin Media took over, didn't mm. they? Smith? Yeah, it would have been Virgin Media, yeah. But yeah, you know, uh, I got some major support on this track. Ejaka. Uh, uh, I think we mentioned him earlier on the show about uh, about him. And, uh, you know, listen, uh, he, he loved it. Loved the track, so to say. Obviously being from, from Northern Ireland as well. And with Julian being from the north as well, I think he, he, he was able to relate to the track pretty easily. So one of the genres of music I absolutely love is breakcore. And people go, oh, breakcore, that's just sort of shit music. You just bang a load of shit together and there you go, you've made it breakcore. It's like, well, if it was that easy, go off and do it then, you know? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Especially when it's got a load bigger There's a lot of art, a lot of time goes into it. And again, the same sort of this sort of thing. People go, oh, that's simple, but... Lock us into it. When you sit down and make it, it can be a bit more challenging. Obviously, I heard the interview with Lobster B, and I heard you saying that you know the dunks are uh, <laughs> music isn't my forte or something. Along those lines. <laughs> that was tongue in cheek, mate. <laughs> is, it, is it coming out the end now, <laughs> isn't it? Right, okay, cool. <laughs> I was listening to the interview yesterday, uh, you know, a bit of, bit of inspiration, so to say, from my own. And uh, listen, don't don't even sweat it. I know the tracks are shite, uh, um, but you know, I think the, the earlier tracks are definitely a lot worse than they are now, of course. I think a lot more time's gone into them now rather than before. I think they were just, you know, thrown together on FL Studio demo. Um, but yeah, they've definitely changed since then. So last track, last track, Laser Beam? Yeah, last track. This is something that, um, this is something that uh, I put together and I've had fun putting together and we'll probably release in you know, the next two, maybe three weeks. But yeah, I love, love doing this track. It was really fun to, to sample the original uh, laser beams track to make my zappy laser sample on us that you're, we hear in the drop now in a second. Um, but yeah. it's not as clean cut as the original but it's as close as I could get with you know what I had on me. So how are you making your tunes? You're making them with Fruit Loops? I'm using FL yeah. yeah. Mixture between FL and uh, Audacity so to say. Um, obviously the past the, the SoundCloud uh, copyright check you have to you know, speed it up by a few uh, semitones 
Um, so a usual producer that's, you know, 140 and then up it to 155 with a, the help of Audacity, of course, to both pitch it up and speed it up at the same time. And it works a treat, and I've had one copyright strike since, you know, starting out, so. Not too sure how that works, because I've had at least more than, way more than three myself over the years. And it's just sometimes it seems to get a bit heavy, sometimes they're not that fussed, like, it's weird. I think it's more kind of to do with getting uh, royalties paid out to you and being able to monetize your tracks. That's kind of, you know, what's, what's, yeah. what's affected by it, basically. You know, it's affected. Um, if you get a strike, obviously you're not going to get monetization on, on the track. And, you know, in saying that, the sound cloud monetization is dreadful anywhere. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, for 1.4 million streams I've made a total of $11 on SoundCloud. You know, compared to Spotify, I've made nearly two grand on royalties with Spotify. Wow. And, you know, it's there's not even a million streams in that. There's maybe yeah. a quarter of a million. 300,000 streams. Wow. Oh, fair play. And to, to get two grand out of 300,000 streams, you know, you'd imagine what you'd get out of... Um, 1.4, 1.5 million streams on SoundCloud. It's ridiculous. But I suppose the problem with SoundCloud is that primarily it's free for anyone to just come along and listen. Whereas Spotify, if you want to listen without adverts, you've got to pay for it. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Well, we're coming towards the end. Last few minutes, last minute or so. Understood, yeah. Is there anything, anything we haven't covered that we should have covered? Not that I can think of, to be honest. Uh, we've covered nearly everything, uh, Eugene related. Um, you, you beef with Blackout Crew, you beef with Academy. Anybody else you have beef with? <laughs> or have beef with you? <laughs> Not as of yet. Poss possibly UTV if they ever discover yeah. uh, Carnation Street, which I'm sure they'll come across eventually. Brian Cowan's daughter reached out to me before asking me to delete uh, Brian Cowan those rollies. Um, but you know, nothing can be done about that one. Mm. Uh, yeah, I love that track. You did one for Leo as well, didn't you? Yeah, that, that done really well. Just hit 40 something K this week. That was pretty, pretty insane. Thanks for taking the time to set the call, mate. Thank you very much for having me on. All right. And uh, hopefully see you at some gig in the not-too-distant future. Cheers, man. Bye. Hopefully buying face. Oh, yeah, totally, man. All right, speak to you soon, All right. mate. Have Thanks very much. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.